Today's program has been brought to you by GreatBrewers.com, a social media marketing platform dedicated to promoting the world's great brewers and the beers they create. For more information, visit GreatBrewers.com. I'm Dave Arnold, host of Cooking Issues. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. Hey, 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 welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. It's October 14th, 2014. I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43 and the Good Beer Seal. We've got a great show tonight. We're going to talk about beer and freshness. Our good buddy Dave Roderick's back from Blind Tiger and Worthy Burger and Kitchen. How are you, Dave? I'm doing great, Jimmy. How are you doing? Welcome back to the show. John Hall, the author of the American Craft Beer Cookbook. Good to see you, buddy. It's good to be here, Jimmy. Thanks Editor so of All About Beer. A new guest who wrote an article about freshness for Beer Advocate, Jake. How are you, buddy? I'm doing great. What's your name again? Jake. Jake. <laughs> and uh, our favorite uh, New York City brewer, Sam Richardson from uh, Other Half Brewery. Hey, guys. So I'm getting serious when I, when I talk about that. Because we were bowing down before the, the guys making probably some of the freshest beer in New York, you know? So the, the theme of the show came about because, uh, Jake, you wrote an article for Beer Advocate. Tell us a little bit about that. Uh, to get our listeners in tune with us. Well, um, I looked into what sort of things that breweries are doing to uh, label the batches of beer that they brew and whether or not there was an industry standard um, that talked about uh, what was the best time to drink a beer within. Um, and at the time I wrote the article, the Brewers Association hadn't released a statement about it, but... Uh, last month they did, and they now have um, a general statement about best practices for um, day coating your beer, um, which is pretty broad. So let's go around them. Every, everyone, let's just weigh in on freshness and labeling because it's it's really confusing to me. What's confusing about it? Well, what the labels are and and, and how fresh is a beer? The Julian calendar. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I read the article, and, and honestly, it's like I know, like for me. I know when, when I get a delivery from other half, it was probably made, what, that, that week? And yeah, usually. And it, it, it comes in, and within a week or two, we've sold it. And uh, so I know it's fresh. Um, you know, that's an important part of what you guys do, right? Yeah, well, we have the luxury of self-distribution, and that allows us to really control when the beer goes out. And uh, we, we really don't, I mean, we don't have a problem with freshness because we're small enough and we sell everything locally. Um, it's just gone. But if I go to a, like a, a beer store or a package store and I don't know them well, I don't, I don't know what's moving and what's not moving. You know, I, I've been to places where, say I'm on vacation, I know they're moving a Victory Hop Devil. And I know I, I, I get that and it's cold and it's always moving. But I'll go to another store and, and, and maybe it hasn't moved. You know? So I don't know if you guys want to just think about yeah, what freshness and, means and how you can even figure it out. You know? I mean, this also goes to the problem of there's so many you know, new breweries um, on the shelves piling up. And uh, so it's it's I think it's really tough, you, you know, to know you really have to know your your bottle shop. So it puts a lot of onus on the customers to to um, to really pay attention to who's doing it the right way and and uh, to really get to know where they buy their beer. Because, yeah, I mean, there's just so many brands and you just don't know um, how long they've been sitting there. I talked to a bottle shop guy up in Vermont and he's like, I, I, I will buy one case. 
of you know of things that I think are good, but I rarely go to that second case because they just tend to sit. You know, people want what's new and all this and the other things that adds into it even more of stuff piling up if you don't do that. Yeah, and and Jake, when you researched your article, you know, did you have any similar stories? To- well, um, I know uh, anecdotally when I go to my local uh, beer store, um, there are a lot of bottles that sit around for a very long time. Um, some of it's probably okay because they're big beers that will uh, probably mature nicely in a store that's kept pretty cool. Um, but there are like, um, I brought in some IPAs today to try that are probably past their uh, their best buy date if you if you were going to call it that just because they're going to lose a lot of the hop character john you, you've written about this before haven't you in all about beer yeah what i find interesting is that we have a stronger consumer base these days who care about freshness and who actually know what off flavors taste like and so it used to be before we had this born on dating or or uh digital labeling of uh, best before dates kind of thing uh, a lot of the time it was a gamble for uh customers and if they bought a bad six pack well that was unfortunately on them because they had spent the money and you can blame the store you can blame the brewer you can blame a lot of people but now uh, there's fewer people to blame. Uh, a, a quick scan of the label uh, can show whether or not you're going to get that Boston Lager that tastes like Boston Lager, or that you know Titan IPA that tastes like Titan IPA, and that's very important these days. And consumers are demanding that. And I think that a lot of the breweries that are coming online these days, and the ones that haven't been around for 30 or 20 or 10 years, if, if you've been open for six months, you need to be telling the consumers when to drink it fresh. Because if you're not the consumer base will get very dissatisfied with your product very quickly if they're getting bad batches and they're not going to come back to you. And if they don't come back to you, they're going to bring their dollar someplace else uh, to another brewery that maybe is putting out fresher beer or is at least informing the public that their beer is fresh. Yeah. And another issue that I see is a lot of the smaller local brands don't package, you know, a lot of them are draft only. So your store fills up with stuff that's traveling, you know, sometimes pretty far. And uh, so that can be another issue, you know, unless you go to the brewery, unless you go to the other half and get growlers, um, you know, you're pretty much stuck with these brands that are, you know, generally bigger and uh, and maybe you're traveling a little bit further. Yeah. All right. And what about certain styles? So, you know, are there optimal drinking days for like an IPA? Um, I mean, Stone, for instance, with their Enjoy by IPA, it the enjoy by date is 35 days after they bottle it. So they, they tell you that, uh, most other places say, um, 90 days for an IPA, um, 180 days for a malt, a malt forward beer and other, like a barley wine, like a year, if you're not going to, uh, age it, uh, in appropriate conditions. But I would say 90 days for most beers that you're going to drink unless you're getting a bigger style. But the taste difference really matters, right? I mean, to me it does. Uh, if you've ever had a skunked beer, yeah, uh, I th- you can tell the difference, especially if you... I, in, like, a lot of IPAs, uh, um, like a heady topper that's been sitting around for uh, six months is not going to be as good as one that you got that was brewed two weeks ago, you know? You know, and plus any any beer that's like really dependent on dry hopping is not going to nearly even a month or two. It starts to 
to lose a lot of that. So yeah, I, I would even say within a month. I mean, we we rarely have uh, send out beers that are older than a couple weeks at this point. I mean, almost every IPA we make ships out the first week, and I expect that it's going to go on draft, you know, pretty much immediately. And that's that's really, you know, for us, that's the only way we can really control um, the quality is we want to make sure that it's to the consumer immediately as, as far as an IPA is concerned. Because, I, I mean, 90 days is way too long, in my opinion. I don't think any any IPA does well. You start to lose the hop character usually within a month. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we have that luxury, though, because we're hand-delivering. You know, it, it, it's interesting. This is a food product, so having an expiration date on it, I think, makes a lot of sense. And you know, I, I think it's important. Uh, Jake brought up uh, the Stone and Joy Buy series, which I think was one of the more brilliant beer releases uh, of 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 recent times. Uh, not because the beer was anything uh, spectacular; it's a, it's a fine double IPA, uh, but that they actually put the uh, the expiration date on the actual label, like people and people were going nuts for it. Everybody's trying to collect it, as it were. If you were going on Untapped or you were hanging out with your beer geek buddies, like, oh, I had this one, I had that one. It was a really brilliant PR move uh, on Stone's part in a way to push a, a lot of double IPA, and 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 they did. But I also think that it did help bring this conversation uh, to the forward. Like, why do we have to enjoy it by this time? And they answered that question, and now obviously there's there's good articles out there about that informing the public. And I think, as as Jake uh, mentioned in his article, one of the one of the most important, he made a point to to say that there is uh, disparity between breweries and how long a beer can sit in in their packaging, and that usually has to do with uh, the oxygen and headspace during packaging. Um, and some breweries have equipment that is extremely good at removing that, and some don't. So, just putting a date on there doesn't necessarily guarantee. Uh, that you're going to get the freshest beer. You could get something that is three months old and it's great, and something that's a month and a half old is terrible. So, it, and there's all kinds of in terms of shipping. There's refrigerated shipping. There's not refrigerated. So I mean, it, it you know a lot of things could happen to ruin it um, in a short period of time. Well, this is like it's like craft beer is becoming more like fine wine now. If if the, the beers that everybody really wants. There's issues with aging and, 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 and how it's traveled and, and transported. And to me, that sounds more like fine wine. You know, you, you, the, the, there's certain wines that, that are, you know, took conditioned to travel the world and sit around stores for years. And uh, it, there's, took, it took too long to get there. We should have been thinking about it like this two decades ago. But you have to you have to have the demand. And then maybe we should, we should just line up at your brewery and just put our mouse under the. That's a great you know, idea. The, the, the tap and fill our mouths instead of kegs. You That's know? a great idea. <laughs> That's how we. Drink I think beer. we've all done that. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> well, on that note, let's, let's liven this one up. So last week, the big news in town on the beer circuit was that the Blind Tiger staff all got to go and hang out at Other Half Brewery. They did. It was awesome. And Luke, Luke was talking about it for days, and and a lot of our regulars went too, and and uh, they're all still talking about. It. They had an absolute ball. So did they get to drink out of the taps directly? Uh. Uh, mostly just keg stands. Malcolm you know Luke Zwickle. did. Malcolm oh, yeah. So what was that like? Because what you've done is, first of all, you're you're a new brewery, and everyone's everyone's dying for your beer. So your beer's coming out super fresh and it's moving. So there's no freshness issue right now. 
But like um, the, the blind tiger guys, how does that work? That's your culture at Blind Tiger that your entire staff and customers are taking a trip to a brewery. I mean, that's unbelievable. Yeah, now and it's great. It's a great way for them to learn about uh, a local brewery, and uh, they're all different. They all have their own ways of doing things, and and uh, it just makes them. First of all, they get really into the brand, and and which is great to see, especially if it's a local brand, and and uh, and they just they they really pick up a lot of stuff, which they then share with their customers, and it just you know it's further education, um, and they're just they get more into the business. Of, of just paying attention and, and you know as they as they gain knowledge um, they just gain more interest and this is this is one of your new beers right this is the other half ESB yeah we were actually uh, kegging it as I was leaving I think I'm getting the keg on Thursday which is pretty awesome. so yeah. this is fresh this is very fresh and and actually while this is somewhat of a malt forward beer it's also very hop forward so you know, for us, it's also important a beer like this to to get out and get it get it on tap immediately. And how do you guys, in terms of like freshness and styles, how do you guys feel about something like this—a super fresh ESB that's malty with some hops—versus like what we're seeing a lot, or like kind of session IPAs that are kind of citrusy and thin? I mean, to me, this is what I'd, I'd rather drink—a good pale ale or ESB. I'm really not into session IPAs, and I have to talk because I know Christian De Benedetti at, at the the Weekly Pint is writing something about it. I, I like session beers. I, I don't know if session IPA is my favorite thing, but if you give me like a session beer at four percent or less, uh, I, I'm happy with it. And there are actually a lot of breweries, and we might not be getting them here at this point, that are making very good, very flavorful four percent or less IPAs. Uh, that might change your mind uh, on that. And so to that point, I will say, going back to what you were talking about before, you know, we're talking about these beers that need uh, dates on, that will go far from home, that we need to drink within 90 days and all of that. I'm, not, I, I'm wondering if we're not getting to a point where we all just want to be drinking local and that we all can at this point. And having something where you know the, the brewery is less than 20 miles from my house so that I know it's getting it fresh because those guys are getting it uh, uh, to an establishment that's going to serve it quickly as opposed to a keg of an IPA that has to travel across the country before you put it on tap. I, I, I'm wondering if that doesn't speak to the freshness as well. Like local is fresh. It's that green grocer. It's that farmer's market. It's that knowing where your beer comes from. That plays into local for me. Yeah, and it, it's it's funny. Um, you know, up in Vermont, uh, people come up from the cities, and they, they don't want something they can get in Boston or New York City. They want something from Vermont, and it's really hard to sell. Even in Joy Buy, um, we have a hard time selling it quickly because it's going up against the Lawson or Hill Farmstead or whatever. And um, so everybody, you know, when they go to a place, they want a beer from that place. And so, you know, that also adds to freshness issues because um, stuff sometimes will sit around a little longer if it's not from that area. I mean, I think ultimately you have to, you know, most everybody is using a distributor and you have to, you know, we think about this all the time because we are going to grow. And then we think, okay, well, what if we ever have a distributor somewhere? How do we make sure that the beer that we produce, that they're selling, it's not sitting in their in their cold room or, or somewhere else? Prefer, hopefully, it's in their cold room. And then yeah. if it's not, and, and then you know, once it reaches the 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 bar or the you know, if we were packaging at that point, once it's in a store, how fast is it going to move? To me, the answer is always just keep the demand. You got to keep, gotta make great beer. Well, keep the demand high, but also 
limit what's available. Not to be, not to, you know, I don't like to, it's not, it's not a matter of creating hype. It's more, I just don't want the beer to, you know, be terrible when people try it. I want it to just go. If you, if you flood a market, you're going to have beer sitting on shelves somewhere. Jake, anything you want to say? Yeah, that's, uh, I was just going to say that essentially if you're exceeding your demand, you're going to have products sitting around for a while. And at that point it's going to age out and not be great. So it's like going to the discount store and buying, you know, like cookies that are expired and yogurt that's expired, which I've seen people do, which is amazing. You get a great deal, but it's on, on it. sale. Exactly, yes. you get a great deal. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we we constantly ride a fine line with our IPAs, you know, especially our our year-round IPA that we, you know, we've, we've basically promised we're going to have it year-round. We're always kind of on the on the line of whether we're actually going to have it available or not because we're trying to keep it the production cut back just enough that we're not holding on to it in our, in our keg room. You know, we want it to ship immediately as soon as we've kegged it. Yeah, I mean, the way you guys have done it, it's, it's, it's yeah, the fact that I can get IPA every week, it's almost an anomaly. It's throwing me off. Yeah, well, like I said, we, we work really hard to manage that. That's our, that's our big thing is keeping that, keeping that going. And, you know, we, we really only supply the local market, so you guys get everything. All right. Hey, we're going to take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Today's program has been brought to you by GreatBrewers.com, a social media marketing platform dedicated to promoting the world's great brewers and the beers they create. For more information, visit GreatBrewers.com. So, you like good beer. Whether you're a craft beer pro or just had your first sip of an IPA, GreatBrewers.com is your number one beer resource on the internet. GreatBrewers.com bridges the gap between the world's great brewers and the consumers who enjoy their products. With so much information and misinformation out there, GreatBrewers.com focuses on education and leaves no stone unturned. Take the Great Beer Test on their website and browse through an extensive product catalog. Download their mobile beer cloud app, which includes a GPS beer finder, a beer sommelier, and descriptions for over 5,000 different brews. What are you waiting for? Back up that passion for craft beer with some solid information and education. Visit GreatBrewers.com today. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Thanks to our sponsors, GreatBrewers.com and to HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Check it out. Become a member. We're here. We love it. The back of Roberta's. I was hanging out with Carlo, the chef. Uh, this is a great place, great food, and um, got some great people here today. Freshness and beer. Dave Brodbeck, what was your line you just said? Now we're going we're to go from, we went from tasting fresh other half ESB to what? Jake did this favor, favor of bringing a lot of old beer, and we were just like, thanks, Jake. Now we get to taste it. So but it's, you, it's so not really old. So you guys don't have to. <laughs> How old is it? What was your line? You said what? What did you say? I think I just said that. Thanks, well, thanks a lot. A lot. <laughs> You're welcome, man. So we're sitting here now. We're gonna, but it's not really old. I mean, it's old in the sense that it's from what? The spring, Jake? Um, I've got, get, get the mic. But. I've got two uh, IPAs. Uh, they're Great Divide 
Titan IPAs. One of them is from March, and then the other one is from July. Uh, and so the one from March is most likely not going to be uh, at its optimum flavor. So should we taste the, the newer one? I love or the how right one? now the PR people at Great Divide are going, why are they right. doing it to our beer? We can say if that Jake picked I mean, like the only, the only reason that it is Great Divide is because I went to my local beer distributor and one Great Divide was on the bargain shelf. And it was two bucks for the bottle, which I probably shouldn't have been able to get it for that little. Um, I bought it anyway. Um, and well, basically because I wanted to see if I could get a fresher bottle and we could qualitatively see the de- degradation in quality. So I, I like appreciate the fact that for scientific research that you did that and you bought old bottles. I, I have a big problem with this distributor having a bargain bin and selling old beer to the public. I don't think that that helps anybody. I mean, it helps pad their pockets, it's, but at the end of the it's day... It's just like wine stores. Old school wine stores. They'd have the, the, the old bottles didn't have labels anymore. You know, they have the distress labels. They've been sitting around. I mean, that's, that's part of retail is that, is that they have so many items... I don't. I don't know how you do it in a beer store or a wine store. Yeah, but know? but but personally, for me, like I, I have a big problem with that because there are people who are going to go bargain hunting for this, you know, day old bread. But you can do a lot of cool things with day old bread. You know, I, I don't know what you can do with six month old beer that's six months past its prime, uh, except kind of turn up your nose uh, when you. Dry. I mean, we'll find out in a second. But uh, but I have a big problem with whoever this distributor is having a bargain bin. Uh, for their beer. It, it, to me, personally, it shows two things. Uh, one, that they don't care about the product, uh, and two, uh, I think it's that more they don't of care a about distributor store. We don't want to mention names. It's yeah, a, yeah. a retail. Come on, Jake. Who is I mean, it? No. <laughs> no, no. Let's yeah. taste it. Let, let's yeah, guide yeah. us through All this. Right, okay. Yeah, so, Sam, you're, you know, you're a great experienced brewer. Should we taste the old one first? Yeah, or let's the new make one? Sam do it. Yeah. Oh, oh, thank you very much. <laughs> should we taste the old one first or the new one? I think we should taste the new one first and then go to the old one. Yeah. But the new one's from July, too, so it's not that new. And maybe he'll forget. Did you get these both? Well, we'll taste the good one first, and then I see your guys' faces. I can choose whether or not I drink the second one. (laughs) Someone's got to do it. This is scary. This reminds me when uh, they used to teach the Cicerone classes. They would always make you taste the skunked beers. Yeah, off flavors. But it was always like a Heineken or something. (laughs) They never had skunked craft beer. (laughs) No, exactly, because Heineken's just that way naturally. And and to be fair, July is not necessarily super fresh either. Right. It is October. I was going to say, yeah. Yeah. By the way, I, I know this is radio, so people can't see the panicked look that like Jimmy gets whenever I start railing against like distributors and like other people in beer. It's like, just chill out, John. Just it's, it's well, it's cool. just because they're our sponsor. That's all. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, there's good distributors and bad. You know, there's distributors that have, you know, everything's cool from you know trucks to, to warehouse, and th- and there's others that don't. There's even bars that have don't have enough room in their walk-in, so a cat has to sit outside. You know, and. Um, those are important things that, that you don't even realize sometimes. You know, I remember, I mean, Hurricane Sandy, full disclosure, our walk-in was down. Luckily, it was about 50 degrees outside. But every keg that we had that was tapped that was sitting in lines, we had to throw out. Sure, but that's because, an act of God, and that's but, not. But still, it's, 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 if, you're, if things are in the supply chain aren't, aren't cold and, and they're left outside and, and you're in Florida or something, you know, it's going to be a different experience. So, so which one did we start off with? This is, this is the... July the 6th. younger one, but, yeah. but I mean, you can taste. It. I mean, it's already lost a lot of its hop character, and it's got some cloying flavors to it on Jay, the end. Some this, oxidation. Was this cold stored? 
Uh, I don't, or on a shelf. I got it out of a fridge, but I have no idea before. Uh, I, and this is from a corner bodega. How many hours before you yeah. got there they put it in there? Yeah. So there's no way to know. Um, I mean, to Great Divide's credit, we can tell the day without any trouble at all that it was bottled. It's, it's uh, month and day and year. So we know that it's about three months old. Which so you know when you, when you have a Great Divide Titan IPA, a couple of years ago there was the Spiegelau, the IPA glass presentation, and one of the beers that we tasted throughout was the Titan IPA. So we know when it's fresh. It's, it's one of my favorite IPAs. It's a great beer. And, and so, yeah, you can see even three months. Now, again, we don't know what happened to it if it was kept cold, but even at three months, it's just not what you want to be drinking. It's really awesomely cool. New York summer months. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And is there, so what, tell us the other labeling ways to label beer. Because your article mentioned the Julian date. I didn't uh, understand that. Julian is Julian dates are kind of a, a strange system where they take the final number. But it's of not the, a reference to like the old Roman calendar. Uh, yeah, I think it is. Yeah, it, it is. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. You uh, knew that. <laughs> Um, where they take the first, the, the last letter of the year, or the last number of the year. So 2014 would be 4, and then if you were going to do February 1st, it would be 032. So it, it's a sequential numbering of the days of the year. Um, so you have to do math in your head. Roughly, you know, if it's over 180 days, it's that's in That's Ken Grossman. I mean, he just, you know, just figures. I don't think that's ancient Rome, though. I think... <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not sure where it comes from. Uh, it might be just a grocer convention. Uh, and if you're the only people, if the only people that matter are the distributors and the retailers, uh, they are probably accustomed to using this. But the public doesn't really understand it. It's, it's sort of opaque to them. And I bet you some of the retailers, and you know, I wouldn't have known that. But I mean, the one thing about Sierra Nevada, I'll say, is they have some of the best packaging equipment in the world and they spend yeah. they have a they spend a lot of time on uh, sensory analysis and all that stuff making sure their beer tastes good but i don't, I don't no think what i don't think it. we need to get like this revolution I, th- I think that this beer tastes pretty good i mean this is only three months old it's not the best titan ipa that i've had but it's not yeah. terrible but we just while you were talking now we just poured the uh the next uh, batch and <laughs> this one's what do i do with this one a little i mean in some uh, ways this one's better the older one? Yeah, it's got a little... It actually, I can detect hop character. I find it a little bit more flat, personally. A little bit more... Uh, I don't find this one as malt-forward. It's hard. It's complicated. But, for, you know, the biggest no, thing the is, is trusting. For me, it's trusting that... Tastes like my from, from from Yeah, from the brewery through the distribution and everything, it's kept at proper temperatures and it's moving, you know, and... Um, Again, for me, it's like going to places that you trust, like a really good beer store, a good beer bar. Um, you hopefully that they're working with the right distributors, and they have people that experience knowing, you know, what what where yeah, they're getting their beer it, from. It's just know? good for people to be aware yeah. that it's a pretty complicated thing getting beer to the consumer, and uh, it's just nice to know how it all works and what you should look out for, and that you know you have to make a little effort. I just think. As always, drinking local IPA is the smartest thing you can do. And if you can get IPA from somewhere else, uh, getting it from the source yourself, I mean, that's that's the best way to do it. It's, just, it's always going to be better. And I think that's the dilemma that all these small breweries have right now that are making um, that are that are specializing in IPA is they 
you sit there and you think about how you do you want to grow your do you want to grow your IPA brand because once you start once you start getting outside of your local market, especially if you're self distributing, and like in our case, and not all markets you can self distribute, but you run the risk of your quality hurting and people having a bad opinion of your beer. And um, I mean, part of it is just educating people so that they can understand what a what an IPA that's oxidized or where the hops are, are missing tastes like. But you still don't want people to get that beer. So then what do they call that? Off flavors, right? I know some of the like Cicerone programs. They actually have you taste off flavors in beer. Um, I don't know. Is that th- think that consumers need to have more education in that area? Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, there's no way to really do that other than interaction. That's, that's the great selling thing. bad beer. Well, the, yeah. <laughs> that's the great thing about about the explosion of craft beer in this country is that more people have more access to brewers where you can talk about the beer and have an have an actual experience where you're learning something. Um, so I think just I think just by just by growth people are learning more and they have their everybody has a friend that's a that's a beer nerd that wants to talk to them about you know beer you know the the latest hop and everybody's like yeah, I don't really care. Thanks. What, what's but, the, John, what beer did you just pour for us? So I, I went into my cellar before I came over here. So this is the IPA 4A from Deschutes out in Oregon. It's a Belgian-style India Pale Ale. And the reason that I picked this is because its best buy date uh, is tomorrow. So uh, we can drink it today. We can drink it tomorrow. We Sure as hell can't drink it on Thursday, uh, and I think that this actually presents really wonderfully in the class. What are the What are the flavors that, that that are coming? It's like a little citrusy. Oh, I get a yeah. lot of mm-hmm. tangerine kind of candied, uh, almost juicy fruit gum. Yeah, the nose is still good. Huh. Yeah. Well, it's good until tomorrow. <laughs> you know. It's after that, after forget that. it. Yeah. But I'm that's getting, a, but I'm that's getting more confused. Thing. I've never, I've never gone to a beer store and and looked at the dates on the back of a bottle before, and I've done it for yogurt because I eat a lot of yogurt, Ziggy's yogurt, um, and I never really do it for milk because you kind of assume someone's doing it for you. But is that how should I shop that way? <laughs> That's living you dangerously. Have, if you're going to drink you IPAs, you have to do it. Yeah, I mean, you really do. You do. Sorry. Yeah, I think for IPAs definitely. Um, for other stuff. Maybe not so much, but... Or even a pale ale. Well, yeah. I mean, if you have a choice between something that's fresher and something that's not, you want to go with what's fresher, most likely. So if you can see easily when it was bottled, you should go with the, the younger one. Yeah, I mean, I have friends that do it religiously. They just, like, sit there and they go around and they're looking at the bottles. It's just part of their buying experience. They check everything. All right, man. I'm getting confused. I'm like, I just want to go back to I Jimmy's number 43... And drink some of the beer on draft because I know it just came in. And uh, what else am I supposed to do? Well, no, I, I, and I think that that's part of it as well. I, it's interesting for me as a beer consumer. Um, I don't buy a ton of bottled beer. If I'm out, I'm drinking on draft. It's very rare that I go to a bar and buy a bottled beer. And I don't, I don't know if I'm in the minority on that. I don't know if I'm in the majority on that. I, I, I really don't know. Just personally, um, I don't hardly ever trust a place uh, to have the freshest beer possible in bottles. So I typically just drink draft and I also just try to drink local whenever I can. And that goes back to this whole conversation that we've had before where I'm not thinking about born on dates, but, uh, 
I don't know if I had a point to what I was just saying there, but I just no, felt you, like and saying And you have it. a point coming up, too. After our break, we're going to talk about actually how we can age beers, too, or from your other article. Absolutely. All right. So we'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Hey, 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 welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. All right, so we're hanging out. Dave, do you like fresh beer? Yeah, I'm looking at some right now. And how, do, how do you know it's fresh? Because um, I look at the date usually, but when I forget, and then I taste it, and then I know. You know. but and You do, too. Oh, I do. I told you. I, I was, You're just like, confused my, now. My summer beer, thing. sometimes I, I was at one store, and I was getting like Sierra Nevada Torpedo IPA, and then I went to... Well, my brother lives in Rhode Island, and I was like, "Great, the some the torpedo IPA," and I got it, and I was like, "You know what? It just tastes. It kind of kind of tasted just kind of the, the flavor was flat and it was old." Then I made sure I went. Oh, I got the Newport, the the local beer, and I was like, "Wow, it tasted fresh." So we all have those experiences, and it's it's not that hard to figure that out. But then it's like I still feel like it's it's trial and error. You have to go to that store. You know, maybe the good salespeople say, "Hey, this is what's local. This is what's moving." I think that's the other question: is what's moving. Yeah, it's up to you to ask those questions when you go into a store. It's like, oh, you know, what, what, what's been really popular? Because you want to find out anyway, especially if it's local stuff and you don't know. Yeah, new you know, releases. Exactly. But see, you guys just said something and then kind of glossed all over it that I think is, is, is very interesting. How do you know when a beer doesn't taste good? Like, how do you know when a beer is past its prime? Yeah, no, I mean, it's only if you've had it before. Because you don't know if it's someone who just doesn't know <laughs> how or, to or make you know, beer. Or, you know, the style as well. Yeah. I mean, I think that that, like I was saying before, comes with better uh, being a better educated beer consumer. Right. Uh, recently, I had one of the most skunked pilsners that I've ever had in my life at uh, one of my favorite bars that I'm not going to name. And uh, I don't know if the bartender didn't believe me when I told him that it was there was something off about it. But it was... It's like in that situation, you just sort of got to go with, if it's something that is normal, like a Pilsner or an ale, and it's not a sour style that you're not familiar with, you just need to go with your own. If you understand what's going on, I guess you got to go with your own judgment. Sam, you were joking about, instead of having a, a Best Buy date, what, what was the, how would you describe a beer? The, not, the not yet gross buy date. I mean, let's let's face I it. I think that should go on. I love that name. I mean, let's face it. That the when it's you know two weeks old, it's still probably great. When it's three months old, it still might taste all right, but it's more that it's just not gross yet. I mean, it's gonna it's gonna turn. I mean, not not all beers. I mean, obviously, certain certain stouts, farmhouse beers, a lot of those continue to get better with age. Um, barley wines, but IPAs, hop forward beers, lighter beers, all kind of 
deteriorate. So let's let's, qual- let's qualify it. So, what are the flavors that we look for in a fresh IPA, Sam? And then what are the, what are the f- flavors we look for? The flavors and aromas we look for in a fresh IPA. Well, I mean, I want I want to taste the hops. I want to, I want the hops that the brewers put into the beer to pop, and um, I want it to not be. You know, there's there's difference between oxidized malt character and there's a different and just a little bit of malt character and i i want you know to taste what they were what they're aiming for whether it's whether they've made a you know medium bodied ipa or a dry one i want to i want to taste that i don't want to taste this cardboardy oxidized malt character um and then uh that that just kill uh, that additionally kills the hop character yeah i mean it's, it should have like a brightness to it you know and in, in like old beers like it almost feels like they sort of collapse <laughs> in on the malt you know and you just and uh the hops are have just gotten scrunched down into it and it's just not it gets a little almost like syrupy quality to it when it's old well john you, you've also had um you were talking about how you can what was it vintage beers or aging beers on the other side of it? Yeah, so in the next issue of All About Beer magazine, we're going to talk about aging beers and vintage beers uh, as well as vertical tastings. So the cool thing is is that we're now at a point in American craft brewing where breweries have been putting out the same beer every year for multiple years, and it's really interesting to see how it ages over time. So a good example and probably the best example that's out there right now is Sierra Nevada Bigfoot. Uh, and you can go to the brewery in Chico, and they'll actually sell you four packs that have been aged uh, appropriately in the correct temperatures and the in the correct areas that go back four years, six years, eight years. Uh, and you can taste and see how the beer has evolved over time because they've made the beer the exact same way on the exact same equipment uh, year after year after year. So it's now just a matter of how is it aged and how has it evolved and how have the flavors mellowed out or intensified or – How's the carbonation held up? Uh, and it's a really fascinating look uh, into this new world of, uh, of beer because, as I said, we're now at the point where there are enough breweries who are making these big, big beers that can hold up uh, in the same way as wine. And we're really only starting to just scratch the surface of that. That was my introduction to, to aging beers. Uh, with Bigfoot? Yeah. When yeah. I, was, I mean, I, when I was uh, just out of high school, a friend of, a friend of mine and I used to buy... All the uh, the late '80s, early '90s Bigfoots, and we had like a nice. I mean, you know, that was it was the early '90s. <laughs> yeah, so, I don't think Sierra Nevada has a lot of those as well. They they dumped well, a lot of those. We early drank on. all of them, yeah. but I mean, but it was a good. You know, it was like the for us we did. I mean, we were we didn't know that term, but we were doing verticals of Bigfoot. Yeah, when I was right out of high school, and that and and. That's cool, and that and that's probably the one beer that everybody talks to. But you know, Stone did, and I know we've been talking about a lot about them today. Their their vertical epic of uh, uh, starting with o two o two o two, and then every year afterwards on uh, on the triple digit year, uh, year date, uh, they'd come out with a new beer. Uh, some have held up better than others, but they did a uh, at, uh, at December of uh, of twenty twelve. They did all of the beers uh, all at once, and like that was kind of cool. And there's. Obviously, some great UK examples, um, and there's more and more 
U.S. examples coming on. I don't, I don't know if you've spoken to him on the show yet, Jimmy, but there's a, a journalist named Patrick Dawson who uh, wrote a book called Vintage Beer that just won the uh, National Beer Writer Guild uh, Award for Best Book of 2014. And it's all about how to start your cellar at home and how to age beers and the proper beers to age. Um, but again, I don't think five years ago a book like Patrick's would have been uh, popular among book editors, uh, but now there's an audience for it. Well, that's that's a great great to know. But for Dave, like some of the old school good Brazil bar guys, like Ed from Mugsdale House in Brooklyn and Sam from Waterfront Ale House, they have a, a really good collection of, of of vintage beers, things like Sierra Nevada, Bigfoot, and others. Did you ever do that at Blind Tiger? Oh yeah, definitely. And one time I did by mistake. I um, when we were closing down the old Tiger in '05, I found a case of Bigfoot that had been i don't know how it wound up there but it was like around the corner uh tucked away not kept cold you know i mean cellar temp not even cellar temperature it's pretty warm down there in the summer and uh we were like oh this is gonna be bad and we tasted it and it was actually good it had held i mean that beer is pretty bomb proof and i I was very it was like nine years old and uh and it was good so but no we we definitely have we, we definitely age beers Quite what are bit. some other things that you have? Do you have we age a lot. You know, it's mo- mostly barrel-aged stuff, um, sours and, and uh, high-octane. Are they in, in kegs or beers, bottles? Bottles. Bottles. And some kegs, not as much not as much of the kegs. Well, another note, I've had, I've had some especially like kind of holiday Belgian, Belgian beers that are like 10%, and they come in around Christmas time. And it's kind of like the sugars haven't really like worked themselves out. And I found if I could, I think that's why people do the Christmas in July. Right. You hold them for six months; they've evolved. You want to say anything about that? Is that, is that in kegs or bottles, Jim? Uh, kegs for me. Okay, but I don't know, Sam. If you have nothing I mean, to say I, about I, Christmas, no, I mean, uh, well, I, I don't. Other than that, I mean, still those should be stored properly. But uh, yeah, I mean, you're going to get assuming they're stored properly. I'm just saying that I feel like this. There are certain styles of beer that benefit from some age as well. You know. Certainly, it's usually it's usually something with a higher sugar content. And, and what 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 is behind that? It's uh, like it's like tomato sauce. The next day, yeah. it's just the, it just the flavors kind of come together. It may, you know it, it really starts to tighten up and dry out a little bit. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's 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 really about experience. You know, you have you have one beer, and then you have the second time. You know, oh, that could do better with six months, and you gave it a shot. Sam, what, what's the last beer that you poured for us? This is some kind of a stout talking about. Possibly yeah. age-worthy beers. Yeah, I wouldn't age this one no. too long. This one, <laughs> trust the brewer. Don't trust. Yeah, Jamie. this is a five and a half percent ABV stout um, that's brewed with a experimental hop that um, has some interesting characteristics, like tobacco, French vanilla. Look, I'm getting coffee too. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of different. I mean, some of that's a little bit of the malt character, mm. but the hops really do bring out. We used. Typically, I wouldn't do a single variety hop on a stout, but I just think that this hop really works best with a stout or a porter because of its interesting flavor. Yeah, it's great characteristics. Sam, what's the name of this beer? Uh, we just we don't this. There's one run of it. We just called it by the hop. I think I'm getting it just this says beer. Ex- expe- yeah, it's <laughs> experimental hop zero six three zero zero. Yeah, I was I wondering what is, that I was. think this is the beer I'm getting on Thursday. I'm getting this in the ESP. <laughs> You don't even know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So come by this weekend and try the experimental hot beer. From uh, it's really this good. is an intense show. Like th- this, I don't. We don't always have like such focused shows, and uh, 
Jake, did you get depressed doing this article? I mean, every time I go into a beer store, do I have to look at the labels? And I got a lot more choosy in what I buy. Uh, for instance, uh, I, I generally don't buy IPAs at bodegas anymore. I go to a, a store that I trust. Um, and uh, if there's uh, an IPA that I like that's going to be on tap, I go the day that it's that it's tapped, and I get it then. Um, but it, yeah. knowledge makes your life harder. Yes, it does. It does. But it also makes it better. And with with the super fresh, what John was saying about the local, even with the super fresh local beers, if I go and drink from the tap at at other half, Sam, really, how long? When do the flavors start falling off? Is it is it weeks? You know, I mean, really, how fast should you know, we be drinking it, it, these fresh beers? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm reticent to give a number, but, I mean, we, like I said, we try to push our IP out the door as quickly as possible. I really think most of them will, will last two months because um, we take great care with them. But I don't really want people to do that. Like, I want it to be consumed immediately. There's no, there's no benefit to holding on to it. There's, there's zero benefit. I mean, there's, there's a lot of breweries that will not package hoppy beers. This won't do it because I know people um, tend to trade them, collect them, whatever, and they don't want that to happen. So they they just won't even. They only do their bar- you know they only bottle their barrel aged stuff. I mean I'm talking smaller breweries, um, just for that reason. Yeah, man. John, sum it up, buddy. I I think you know aging, uh, drinking fresh, but then. Knowing the potential for aging is important. Uh, I, I, I was just looking up and uh, remembering that when the first uh, Savor collaboration happened between Dogfish Head and Sam Adams, uh, they did this rose water experimental hop that I, I think would eventually become Mosaic uh, and a few uh, rose water distillate and a few other things, and they called it Savor Flowers. And I remember drinking it at Savor and remembering just it was so hot. It was so alcohol forward and boozy forward. And I, I said to everybody that I was with, like, wait a year. This is going to be a lot of fun. And when you did, these peppermint flavors emerged from it that weren't evident at first. And it was a beautiful beer to drink a year later. So like a, a lot of the time, it's just knowing uh, what tastes good now, what might taste good later on. And again, I, it, for me, it just kind of keeps coming back down to knowledge. But uh, yeah, I, I try to drink um, uh, you know, fresh beer and avoid the stale stuff, much like uh, milk and yogurt and everything else. That's right. So Jake, since you wrote the article, well, I would just say this, is that I've, I've had bottles of, of some... Uh, is Demolin? There's some Dutch beers that have actually said, "Don't drink this for five years." One even said, "Don't drink for 25 years." So, is that the way to go? Is it that every label should give you a guideline? Say, "Drink this within two months." Don't drink this for six months. Don't drink this for five years. I mean, for something that that's that is that uh, outside of what you would expect, uh, sure, you should trust the brewer. Um, but if you don't know and there's no guideline. Uh, just go with fresher is better. Um, but if if someone's brewing something that needs to be aged for five years before it's to be drunk, yeah, they need to let you know. Yeah, like I, I want to know. What, maybe I hold it for five years and then every year I'll try one to see how it ages. Right? So, did you drink it yet? I've tried one, I did it one year, two year, and I'm trying trying to save. I'm a like few. worried I'm not going to make it twenty five years. They, they also years. those kind of beers keep disappearing. You're like, oh, somebody opened that and. My, I had a Thomas Hardy's that was from 89 that uh, my mother accidentally cooked with. I, 
<laughs> oh, well. That's what I get for starting. And you're supposed to call the, the distributor and say, guys, I need some more of those. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. We were talking before about the Stone Enjoy Buy series, which really kind of put it prominently on the label. They just announced that they're putting out a beer that's called Enjoy After. Uh, and they're selling it now, but on the label, it's a. I think it's an October 2015 date, and it's some sort of Br- uh, Britannomyces beer uh, that they're putting out that they're saying, wait a year, buy it now, and then age it for a year. So they're kind of leading that charge again as well of telling you exactly when uh, this is going to be okay to drink. And I think that that's kind of cool as well, to, to your uh, most recent point. Well, that's like the evolution of the craft beer scene. It is more like wine. I mean, there's centuries of, of, of how people would consume and serve and store wine uh, and I think crappers is catching up to it right mm-hmm. so yeah, there's wines there's wines you got to drink young and ones that you want to sit on for a really long time and some you want to drink verticals of exactly like if you can afford it or upside down definitely uh, I mean enjoy after is a great idea um, but also I would kind of like to offload a lot of that labor on the brewery to keep it at a good temperature for a year. Personally, I don't know if I'd want to keep it in my sort of toasty apartment. Of course. This is a lot of issues uh, related to storing beer and aging it. And number one is is a fresh beer, but it's also having a good store or a beer bar or somebody you trust uh, where you know they're moving stuff. And they can tell you the truth. Dave, a couple highlights, anything going on in Worthy Burger, Worthy Kitchen in uh, Vermont, where you really live. Everyone knows he lives in Vermont, so... We have uh, actually we just finished Hill Farmstead weekend. I think we had like ten Hill Farmsteads on draft at the burger, and then uh, on Friday I get back on Thursday night, and Friday we're doing a Lawson event. He's breaking out a whole bunch of stuff, a bunch of age stuff from his vault, four from the vault. Um, so that should be fun. And we've got other half on the 29th. in Vermont the, at no no oh, Blind Tiger Blind Tiger someday. Hopefully, we have twenty plus beers there. Yes, so that should be huge. And they're all fresh. <laughs> uh, most of them are fresh. There's going to be a few that are pushing it, in my opinion, but not 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 so greatly that I'm that worried. Dave, the next time you're on, we're gonna we're gonna interview you. Me? Why? I, I, because you, you keep going, man. Like you're up in Vermont, and and you, you're caring about beer so much. And uh, it, it is everyone. This is toast, Dave Broderick, because really. Um, I'm going to drink some Oblivion. You're one of the old guys now, you know. And, oh, thanks, buddy. But you, I think we're only just tapping I knew you were. Off. I knew that's what you were getting at. <laughs> we're all the same. And John Hall, so you got the American Crapper Cookbook's I doing do. great. It is. And you're working on a new book. I am working on a new book about cider and some other projects. I just got back from Spain. I'm headed up to Maine this weekend to do some uh, uh, cooking and beer matching at Stonewall Kitchen and... Uh, all About Beer Magazine, we're starting to lay out our 35th anniversary issue. Uh, magazine's been around for 35 years. We're really proud of that, and uh, the good fun's just starting now. That's great. And, Jake, tell us about you know other projects you work on. Are you a full-time beer writer? Are you no. a freshness expert? What are you? I'm, I just do freshness freelance. Ex- I'm a freshness expert. I'm available <laughs> for consulting. Uh, no, I mean, I, I've got some other stuff on the back burner that I'm working on. I've got a... He goes to the grocery aisle, picks up the lettuce, and squeezes, squeezes it. Yeah. It's like, yeah. this, is, this is past its time. <laughs> Did you throw it at the stock boys afterwards? <laughs> no, it's not their fault. Well, it's like that. You know, it, it, beer is food, I'll tell you that. And uh, 
I appreciate that you wrote that article and we talked about it because it's to me it's a tough issue. But I care. I want super fresh beer. I want beer that tastes good. And the last thing I want to do is is be disappointed in my beer because sometimes that that makes my day. Right? Who doesn't say that the end of the day had a good beer? It made my day. Don't fuck with my beer. Oops. Wow. And Sam, <laughs> wow. I'm serious, man. I'm getting, so Sam, go getting shut down. I, 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 I never seen you this riled up. That's no, I, I I don't don't mess with my beer, you know. Mm. Sam, what you, you're making twenty <laughs> beers for Blind Tiger and yeah, yeah, and you're just still making beer every day. No, you want me to tell you what we got going? I don't on? know. You you doing anything? Well, I mean, we make yeah. I'm gonna make beer tomorrow. And so why are you here and not making beer today? Um, that, I don't know. I'm gonna have to. Co- <laughs> Maybe I won't make it next time. <laughs> uh, no, we we like I said, we have the Blind Tiger event coming up on the 29th, and we have a uh, event at Bondurance on in November. Other than that, we're just cranking out as much beer as we can. No, it's great, and this ESP was really great. And I'm Thank psyched. To, we're getting a Jimmy Summit 43 this weekend. The ESP and that special uh, dark stout beer that you made. So I appreciate being part of what you guys are doing and. Uh, Crap, seems great. So, hey, lots going on in New York City. Coming up next week is Cider Week. Jump into a whole new thing. John Hall's book, Tasting Cider, will come out sometime in 2015. But before that, you can check out Cider Week NYC. A lot of really cool things going on, including we're hosting Cider Feast uh, Saturday, October 25th at the Seaport. And it's going to be very cool, over 30 ciders from around the world. So there's a lot going on. Cider Week has been a very important thing in New York City, and uh, it's elevating people's tastes and... Um, you know, we're really proud to be a part of that. So it was a great show, you guys. Um, anything else going on? All about beer, Vermont Festival and Happenings. Looking at my notes. I'm having too much fun, and I don't want to sign off. I think we have to have a two-hour show. We got Ron Lindenbush from Lagunitas visiting the Tiger uh, tomorrow. That's amazing. I mean, so, so who else was at Blind Tiger this week? Everybody's uh, at Blind Tiger. Dick Canwell was there the Legion from Seattle. Yep. And he was uh, talking about when he was on the show not too long ago in the spring. And he had his pumpkin suit with him because he's doing a whole bunch of pumpkin events all around the city. So, And then you got tomorrow night, Ron Lindenbush from Lagunitas. Yeah, I mean, it, it, he hasn't been around. He's been opening up new markets for Lagunitas with their new brewery in Chicago. So he's been pretty busy. And and uh, he had to cancel his July event to do New Orleans, open New Orleans. And so we're doing it tomorrow. And uh, it'll be great to see him. I'm known Lagunitas. So Tony McGee has a new book out. I think, John, you already we, reviewed We reviewed it. it in All About Beer magazine. Our publisher, Daniel Bradford, uh, found it uh, quite favorable. It's almost like uh, Tony on the page. If you haven't had a chance to meet him, you can read this book and figure it out. And uh, if you're looking for other events, uh, Counterculture Coffee, Sierra Nevada, and All About Beer magazine did a coffee IPA at Beer Camp uh, earlier this year. We're going to be tapping in on Thursday night. Uh, information on allaboutbeer.com. That's great. And, again, about Tony McGee and Lagunese with his new book, Tune in on November Sorry, 4th. Sorry, I jumped in with that early no, plug good. there. You still wanted to talk about Lagunitas. So I was trying to get my thing, and I apologize. You're good, John. Uh, yeah. But November 4th, we will have Tony McGee, a, a special interview. We'll be interviewing him and talking about his book. So tune back in November 4th, 2014. So I'd like Sh- to Should thank we our, listen in between now and then? You should. Come on. Okay. I'd like to thank our sponsors at greatbrewers.com. have helped to bring this podcast to you tonight. Thanks to Dave, John, Jake, and Sam. For joining me here on the Heritage Radio Network, I'm Jimmy Carboni. Thanks to our producers, Justin Kennedy and Maggie Seidy and our Maggie Seidy and our engineer, Jack Inslee. Thanks for listening. See you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right, guys. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. 
You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 non-profit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. <laughs>